Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. My dad beard is getting pretty long. It's getting a little burly. I might get it. caught on my microphone shield I was going to shave this morning. Here. I thought it's supposed to snow tomorrow. Keep I need it on my scarf. Warm. I need my face scarf. I've been trying to keep your microphone turned because it's all jan- janky. I know. I keep trying to turn it. It no, you need to turn it that way. But I look this way when I talk. Okay, well, just keep your keep your face on. You do that equalizer thing. It works out. <laughs> all right. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast. Thanks for listening. Today we are going to get cryptic. Well, I mean crypto, I guess. Now, actually, we're going to keep things pretty simple, but we are going to be talking about blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. So this was another listener-requested episode topic. So remember, anytime you have a question or a topic idea, feel free to email it to hello at theinvesteddads.com. All right, Josh, are you ready? Yeah. You know, actually, one time I, uh, I Bitcoined, and it actually hurt my tooth. Did you have to go to the dentist after that? Yep. I made an appointment, and my appointment was at 230 <laughs> Yeah, okay. So that's my good joke. Uh, no, but you know, I have heard a lot about blockchain and Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency in general. Crypto uh, craze? The crypto craze that went on. Um, we saw some fun movement early on in the in the market. But uh, what is, let's just start with the, the basics. What's blockchain? They all kind of use the same or the similar blockchain technology. Right. The technology that? that kind of encompasses crypto in general is called blockchain technology. And first of all, I'm going to preface this whole discussion with the fact that we, Josh and I, or at least me, are, am not a blockchain technology or cryptocurrency expert in any way. But, you know, we have done some research and obviously we're in the industry where we, we get to see this stuff happen and, and news about this all the time. So pretty much a blockchain is a time-stamped series of records of data that's managed by a bunch of computers that aren't really owned by any one entity. So these blocks of data, they're secured and bound to each other using cryptographic principles. So kind of like the principles of cryptography where you're communicating very securely and, and stuff like that. So the blocks are then stored on a digital ledger, invisible to anyone, and uh, Bitcoin is widely viewed as the first cryptocurrency in 2009 when it came out, and since then there have been more than 6,000 different alternatives created, according to Wikipedia, which there's a link in the show notes there. So kind of going from, it builds on, crypto builds on the technology that is blockchain. So All right. You know who is an expert of blockchain? Who's that? Flavor Flav. Oh, wait, no, that's Clock Chain. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, missed that one. I think we need to get you a yeah. clock chain to wear during recording. Uh, so how does that work, though? Describe to me what this blockchain... I mean, you, you, you said it, but walk me through it. Yeah, at a pretty high level. So this is... this. There was a great graphic on an article from blockgeeks.com, a website that actually is about blockchain and crypto. There's a great graphic, and the, I'll throw a link to that also in the show notes where you can kind of see how this looks. But overall, someone requests a transaction, and then the re- transaction is broadcast to a person-to-person network, which is really made up of a bunch of computers known as nodes. And then that person-to-person network of nodes validates the transaction and the user's status using some known algorithms that are really public and really easy to, to for those people who know what they're doing to understand. And then once verified... The transaction is combined with other transactions to create a new block of data for the ledger. So that's the block part. And then the new block is added 
to the existing blockchain in a way that's permanent and unalterable and visible for everyone. And that's the chain part. So that block of data gets connected to other blocks of data and it becomes a block chain. And then after that, the transaction is completed. All right. So that's cryptocurrency. That's uh, blockchain. Yeah. Okay. So then what's cryptocurrency then? So what? how does that fit into this chaining of exactly, information? Exactly, yeah. So cryptocurrency is essentially a completely digital asset that was designed to be used as a medium of exchange, similar to physical currency. There is emphasis that these currencies, and I just made air, air quotes. Yeah, I made air quotes, and I don't think on a podcast you can really see air quotes, but I call them currencies with air quotes. Um, they're not really created or issued by a central bank or government and therefore viewed as decentralized. So the key points that incorporate crypto with blockchain is that each transaction then is visible and unalterable once it's created, and each crypto transaction would therefore be an additional block in the chain. So I will also note that crypto wasn't actually designed to be an investment vehicle, but the demand over the last decade has really pushed up prices. So yeah, that's kind of where we see this boom. That's it's, It really isn't even so much happening in 2020 right now, although Bitcoin has been doing really well. But we saw that really happen at like the end of 2018, I think it was. No, 2017. Okay. So in theory, if I wanted to create my own digital currency. Josh Coin. Yep. And I said, okay... I have a group of people that all agree that they will use that as an exchange. We just have to agree upon kind of a starting ratio. So if I say I have a dollar of U.S. currency, how many Josh coins can this one dollar be worth? And if as long as we all agree on it, that could be used as a digital exchange using this type of technology where we each have a ledger, you know, and the, each transaction is recorded, right? You're going to keep it in a Google sheet. In a Google document, right? <laughs> and, but that's the concept, right? Just yeah, as yeah. long as everybody agrees on the same exchange rate that's really what makes this work well it's really about agreeing on the same exchange rate and then there's a supply and demand that there's only a finite amount of these cryptocurrencies out there and then essentially the supply and demand is going to drive drive the value of things right but originally it was designed to it was designed because it wasn't transact, an investment vehicle yeah. right it was you like and me. we agree on the price exactly but then as there's more people got interested right there was fewer bitcoins and more people so the price went up yeah. the supply and demand nope. but originally it was just this you know if it's just a couple people transacting it would be a static price just yeah. exchanging for what it was worth i'm sure people saw the opportunity when they're like hey i have this medium of exchange but people kind of i talk about this with my friends and they seem pretty jacked up about it so i wonder if i could introduce them to it and they are like hey let's talk to my friend about it and then prices get ratcheted up and the people start holding that instead of using to exchange exactly. thinking it'll go up in value and that's where the investment side started showing up yeah stop buying pizza with bitcoin wasn't that the story yeah there was a wall street journal article <laughs> a couple of years ago on that a guy lived i think lived on bitcoin or a digital currency for a month and um you know i'm sure he's regretting it now that was based an expensive on, pizza yes so here's some things just thinking about uh, cryptocurrency in general. Some people see this as a safe haven. So they look at this and say, okay, it's disconnected from equities. It's not a stock. It's not tied to a company. You know, it's independent. It's it's not even tied to the central bank. So if governments or equities are, are having issues, a digital currency could be a safe haven because it's it's unaffiliated with it. And then prices are derived from supply and demand. So when you see that, it kind of is the concept that, you know, like I just mentioned that, you know, if there's more demand for a Bitcoin, then that price will go up. 
Mm-hmm. But if the demand wanes, the price goes down. And so there's that ebb and flow now. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like a precious metal type of idea because it's, it's limited in quantity. Whereas, you know, a stock, there's a value tied to, to the company. If the company increases their ability to make money, the stock price in the long run goes up. Whereas this is more like a, a limited currency, you know, gold, you mine it out of the ground. There's only so much gold in the world. So there's a value tied to that product. Exactly. Yep. Um, you know, central banks, they can print money. So the U.S. government, they create the currency here. Whereas Bitcoin is, well, we'll get to it. It's mined, but it's it's limited in how, how much can come out. There's exactly. a stop point to yep. it. So options are becoming, so an option. What Awesome, what's that? So it's really like, it can be used in various different ways. First of all, you can trade options, which you're not actually buying the underlying security. You're buying the right to buy or sell the underlying security so you can trade those themselves or you can use them to hedge out risk really so like options are being available for cryptocurrency right now so you can go buy options on bitcoin and i guess you could use that two different ways first of all you could use that to actually invest in the option instead of buying the actual underlying security and i would anticipate that the options if the underlying security is extremely volatile the options are probably even more so volatile but you can also use that then to hedge out your risk so if you actually own the security you could buy the opposite position you hold in the security in the option and then kind of protect yourself from some of that volatility so you thought you thought cryptocurrency was confusing now with options I know. it just multiplied it's like super muddy <laughs> uh so the goal is to make it maybe a little more available to yeah. people an option maybe be easier to trade than actually mining or purchasing in it because you need a digital wallet you need all that stuff yeah. to hold these bitcoins i think it also kind of adds the whole crypto industry is trying to legitimize themselves and because of all the regulation issues that we'll talk about later they're really it's not viewed as extremely safe and extremely kind of on top of the table yet and i think that it'll get there eventually but it's just not quite there yet and i think that having some of these other financial options such as like the etf like yeah so you can get so options you can also get etfs but typically those etfs are actually only available abroad and i believe according to 2020 it's illegal for us citizens to invest in those crypto etfs abroad so very weird so just uh our us regulations are at least for now saying we're exactly. not we're not comfortable with i it. don't think that no, our no, regulators no. view crypto as right now as regulated really at all which means it's not safe for the consumer i thought i had and i can't remember the ticker but i know a couple of companies actually changed their name of their company to sound like uh, digital currency and they saw their price jump and they had nothing to do with digital currency but they <laughs> they changed their name to sound similar and they saw this price jump and i remember reading an article about that and thinking that's ridiculous and they actually got in trouble for it because they were yeah. just manipulating their price uh, for no reason but then here's another thought too so people in other countries and this is kind of early on we saw this where because of the transaction type of Bitcoin, it's it's harder to trace. It, the it's it's anonymous in a sense. It's hard to know who the owners are. A lot of people in countries where maybe the government has more control or is is limiting. China as an example, they were seeing this as a way to get their money out of China and invest outside of that country because right. China is very controlling about their citizens and how they invest and and you know they want it all in the yen. And so this was a way for them to use the yen, buy the Bitcoin, and then sell it for U.S. dollars or something else, and they got some of their money out. And then eventually, China stopped that. They said, no more. Right. And so that caused a big disruption in the digital currency, and Bitcoin especially. But you saw that people were taking advantage of this 
technology to say, hey, this is a way we can get around our government who we're not comfortable with what they're doing. And I think it's also been used in um, different areas that have experienced some like crazy inflation in short periods of time. Yeah. And I'm specifically thinking of like, like I think Venezuela. it was Argent- yeah, it was Venezuela in 2019. They actually go- they get a government sponsored or whatever cryptocurrency. Yeah, they start their own to kind of offset the craziness that they actually had in their real currency, which is insane. But I think that there's a lot of I think of like some countries in Africa or whatever where they've had just crazy rapid inflation over a short period of time, and this would be this would be something where people could have then theoretically gone out and got some cryptocurrency to kind of protect themselves against the rapid inflation that they were experiencing in their own domestic currency. So, yeah, not a simple thing necessarily, but I think that there there have been some uses for it, whether they were designed for that or not, that they've been used for. Yep. And so so I, f- I found out people actually mine Bitcoins, which makes a lot more sense because I was having this conversation with a guy and he was saying these bitcoins are mined, and I said, "Yeah, they're yours." But he meant they're they're, they're mined. Um, so out of the ground. So is there like a hole somewhere? Like what what's going on here? What's what's mine? Yeah, it's actually in Iran. That's one of the, those big uranium holes that they've got. That's actually full of bitcoin. So but no, I'm how's this work? So it's digital. Yeah. yeah. No. So what does mining mean though? So what, is, what are they doing? It's kind of so if you think of it, this is another comparison to precious metals, but it's in a totally different way. So like precious metals, literally physically need mined, right? They have you have to go dig a hole find this stuff in the ground and there you go well cryptocurrency or we're specifically talking right now about bitcoin these other cryptocurrencies can be made in different ways and how that's done is very very different but specifically bitcoin being the most popular it takes a massive amount of processing power from computers to generate a really complex code to validate each transaction that that bitcoin is being used for so to keep the network open source so that anyone can kind of come and go and join and be participating in that and free from centralization from like a government, individuals are then incentivized to hook up their massively powerful computers up to the network. And then the network uses their computing power to process all of these transactions. So the more powerful your computer is, the more work it can do in kind of deciphering and writing these transactions, then you'll be compensated. And when you're compensated, you're compensated in the form of new cryptocurrency. So that's the mining process. So Josh has a super powerful computer, and he hooks it up to the to the network to help process this stuff. And because he's using his computer power to do that, he's on the network, they reward him with cryptocurrency. And that's a way that the algorithm itself is set up to control the, the the supply. You know, it makes it very, it's very 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 difficult and takes a lot of power to create a new Bitcoin. Um, but that's how that works there. So it's it's exponential, right? So early on Bitcoin, it didn't take much, right? The, right. Because the the it's blockchain was short, and harder, right? right? So it wasn't as long and hard to. But as it goes, it's kind of an exponential. Right. Each each new mining process to get those Bitcoins. Is, is a longer, more uh, time-consuming process. Right, and it takes, like I said, insane computer power, and it's really actually driven up the prices of the graphics cards that are required for these computers to be able to perform this level of work for the networks over the past handful of years. And people like, when a new high-level card comes out, 
crypto miners often just buy them completely out of stock when they first hit the market and no one can even have access to them, even though they they may have been designed, you know, for a crazy gaming platform or something like that. I will also note it takes a ton of electricity and massive like cooling efforts to keep these computers cool from working so hard all the time. Yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a sweater. I know it takes a lot of effort to keep things cool. So that's why you're wearing a sweater vest. That's though. why I got you a sweater get the best vest on right now. Uh, so, and I, I I do remember seeing articles about you know like college students hooking up and using. They're thinking, well, I'm not paying for electricity. I'm going to hook up some computers into my dorm and just generate this a bunch of electric electrical bill for the you know the campus, and I'll take the rewards of these new bitcoins. Yeah, I'm sure they, they had to kind of put down, on, I'm sure they cracked down on that. that pretty quick. Yep. So, Josh, speaking of your sweater vest you're wearing right now, yep, which looks. Amazing, Jim Thank Trestle. You. Well, you got a sweater way. on there, too. Hey, it's cold here in Ohio. So on that note, it is time to bring you the dad joke of the week. But this week, we're going to give Josh a rapid-fire bunch, smorgasbord, we'll even say, of dad jokes. Are a you ready? Plethora. This is a plethora. This is going to be some good stuff. So first dad joke, Josh, why should you not get in a fight with a pepper? Why not? You should not get in a fight with a pepper because it will get jalapeno face. Nice. <laughs> also, some good ones here. He's got a he's got a list. He's ready to go. I know my wife actually sent me these and uh it's really fitting. She's she's helping out. That's great. So after you die, what part of your body is the last to stop working? Ooh, I don't know. Which part? Your pupils. Because they dilate. <laughs> <laughs> dilate. Also, I just wanted to make a note that stealing someone's coffee, it's called mugging. And uh, the other day, I, I held a door open for a clown. It was a nice jester. Nice jester. Pasteurize is also known as too far to see. There you go. No matter how much you push the envelope, it'll still be a stationary. I like that one. That's good. Energizer bunny arrested. Charged with battery. battery. <laughs> and finally, I put my grandma on speed dial. I call that... Instagram. Instagram. Classic. Love it. So that is the dad joke of the week. Or dad we're going to say dad jokes of the yeah. week. That was a, that was quite a rapid fire. So Josh, I guess the what everyone's probably wondering is how does your advisor view investing in cryptocurrency? Or should I say, how should your advisor view investing in crypto? Yeah. And so everybody's different and every advisor is different in how they view things. But as a fiduciary, my obligation is to always give a recommendation or advice that's in the best interest of the client. So to do that, I have to know their goals. I have to know what their objectives are and know the risk tolerance as well. And so you have to know all those things to know if something like a cryptocurrency would fit in there. In general, I tend to advise against investing in directly in cryptocurrencies just because of the level of risk. It's so new. It's so volatile. But if there's someone who is interested in it, you know, it really comes down to the idea is, okay, if you have some money and it all went away, are you okay? Does that drastically affect your financial goals? Does that affect your lack of sleep at night? Are you staying up at night because you lost that money? But the answer is no, then that's fine. If you want to test something out or try it, there's nothing wrong with that. But understand that that's a small piece and, and hopefully is independent of your other goals. So it's a lot like gambling. Is, is It really is. Kind of view yeah, it. I mean, in a sense, you know, this Bitcoin could be zero. It could be a million. Who knows? But that's the thing. There's so much unknown there. So it's all about risk tolerance and, and you would suggest maybe not making that the 
cornerstone of your financial definitely. plan. Yes, yeah. definitely. So I would note that regulation and security are some of the major risks for the cryptocurrency market in general. So in total, global regulators, depending on the country, view Bitcoin as legal tender, but there is no global regulator for the time being. But I will note that because we're doing this in the U.S., the U.S. does not actually view most crypto as legal tender, but does not outlaw it, while China says that it's actually completely illegal. So a couple of different views there and different twists there. I will also note the G20 has taken a cautious note on this, and its Financial Stability Board doesn't really think that crypto poses a risk to global stability. I think I read something that like all of the outstanding cryptocurrency in the world accounts for less than 1% of the total stock market in the world or something like that. So like it's relatively small. So even though it swings like insane amounts, it's not going to make a, a as dip. a percentage. It's a percentage yeah. into things. The International Monetary Fund, so the IMF, also called for more cooperation between countries, stating risks around money laundering and financing terrorism as some worrisome things. Yeah. So the the idea there is it's it's so easy to be anonymous in there that people who have some ill intent could use that as a way of getting around regulations and stuff. Right. And so that's something they're worried about. Is yeah. Yeah. If there is so much anonymous usage. Who is that? And why are they so worried about it being known? Now, exactly. in some countries, it makes sense. Like China, you, Chinese people don't want the government knowing everything about them because the government in the past hasn't always had their best interests in mind. And so that there's some like kind of give and take there of who and what regulates these things. Yeah, exactly. Also, the lack of regulation and oversight really and global viewpoint being inconsistent only exaggerates that volatility as an uncertainty due to the added security risks and stuff that, that we just don't know about right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are another those are some other reasons that it really hasn't gained the mainstream traction, at least here in the US. And it probably won't for a while yet because of those things. So I like to answer the question when we talk about these themes, how could you invest in this trend? And first of all, always want to say that listeners should always discuss types of investments and how they fit into their overall picture with their advisor. I also will note that I am in no way, shape, or form, and I will go take that with me forever, saying that you should go invest in cryptocurrency because that's not what I'm saying. That's not what Josh is saying. But some some opportunities that could offer exposure to this theme could be companies that are seeking to utilize blockchain technology that kind of enhance their overall additional business they've already got. It's not necessarily what they're all about. So those could be things like JP Morgan talking about using blockchain technology for speed and security of financial transactions, or other banks are kind of working in this technology as well over time. Another one that we talked about in our 20 bold predictions for 2020 was Facebook. So Facebook is working to develop kind of their own cryptocurrency, but also utilizing blockchain technology for peer-to-peer transactions, stuff like that. And that was called Libra. So that is, I think that is a more safe way to get some exposure to blockchain or crypto there specifically, because you're kind of getting crypto, or at least, you know, you're getting a company that's working on a project like that, but they also have a super stable growing business behind it that's going to support it regardless of what happens with that project. I think talking about the computer side of things and the power requirements that these computers have, chip companies like Intel, AMD, NVIDIA, those are things that could that definitely have some demand built up around crypto miners. And that's uh, those are companies that people utilize for the building of this technology. And then obviously, there are actual cryptocurrencies and options and not ETFs in the US, but ETFs if you're abroad. And those cryptocurrencies, the big ones are like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin. But I will say even one more time, those are not 
That's not a recommendation to go out and buy cryptocurrency. Those are just real ones that are out there. And there's a list of some of these cryptocurrencies other than Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is the one we all know about, in a helpful Investopedia article that we'll throw in the show notes as well. All right. So we've talked through this. We've kind of given our opinions on the technology as well as the actual currencies. Austin, do you own any? Are you invested? Yeah, I'm all in not. I'm all in not being in cryptocurrency, kind of. I mean, I do right now feel that it's far too speculative and risky. I can't completely comprehend them 100%. You know, I have a high-level grasp on what's going on, but I know there are still security risks and regulation risks. That being said, I really believe the blockchain technology in general is going to be huge for the speed and security and transparency of transactions, specifically with financials. And to go with these aspects, I like companies that have some exposure to this, and I think they have major upside. And a couple that I already pointed out are companies like Facebook and JP Morgan. Those are ones that I actually like a lot. What about you, Josh? You know, I'm not at all, but uh, it's it's always interesting to me, and I've I've looked at it. But the the concept is, you know, there's so much unknown there. Is it worth risking some money to be to be in that? And at this point, I'm not. But you know, on the other side, my son keeps asking me about V bucks. I don't know if that's one of your digital currencies you're talking about, but yeah, I don't know if that Fort, made the list. Fortnite's got some V bucks you can get. So V bucks. Uh, that's funny. So like that sounds like a crazy thing when people spend real money to get up upgrades and perks in video games. Aside from the actual initial purchase, obviously, I just think that's kind of funny. But it's a very very huge multi billion dollar business around the world. But hey. I think we should probably do an entire episode on video games sometimes because in 2020, at the end of the year, I think around Christmas time, the new PlayStation and Xbox consoles are going to come out. So that could be a catalyst for uh, some good discussion and some potential investment opportunities. So maybe in preparation for that, we should act like college kids that stay up all night playing Halo and drinking Mountain Dew in preparation. What do you mean? I shouldn't still be doing that since I'm oh, out of college. Oh yes, you and you and your wife hanging out, playing Halo and drinking Mountain Dew Halo. all night. It's a good game. <laughs> so as always, you know, make sure you check out our website, theinvesteddads.com. We got that free gift for you: eight timeless principles for investing. Uh, just eight overarching themes um, to keep you on track. Check it out; it's free on our website. And yeah, to help us grow this podcast, we'd really appreciate your support. We'd like to help a lot more people and continue to grow. So we need your help. Number one, what you can do is subscribe, which if you're listening to this, you probably are. And we thank you for that. That's a really huge help for us. Um, number two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate that. That would help us get get our name out and uh, help us to help out a lot more people over time. Number three, email us any ideas you have or questions you have to hello at theinvesteddads.com. And number four, a special request is if you really found this uh, interesting, just go ahead and click that share button on your podcast player and share this episode with any friends or family member that you feel would find this interesting as well. Yep. And in case you missed it, check out our recent episode where we talked about streaming services and our thoughts on that. Exactly. Well, thanks for being here today. We appreciate your time. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only 
and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.